Anyway, turn in your Bibles, get your Bibles out and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So what have we been talking about? Does anybody know what we've been talking about on Wednesday night? The gifts of the Spirit, gifts of the Holy Ghost. So before we get going, let's, let's talk, well, let's pray first. Father God, thank you as we get into the Word of God. I, I'm asking you for revelation knowledge, for the gifts of the Spirit to start operating fluently in our lives. It can, they can, they're for us. They belong to us, and you told us to covet us, to desire those. We thank you for that, sir, in Jesus' name. Now, we have people in this church, um, Catholic background, Baptist, Nazarene, uh, all kinds of background, Pentecostal, uh, heathen. We have all kinds of people. You know, I was a heathen. I got saved. I never went to church. I did. I went to church when I was a boy, Christmas and Easter. So I didn't consider myself a Christian because that's a, that's a CEO Christian, Christian, Christmas and Easter only. So, you know, but my grandparents made me go and Pastor Giddens, uh, it was a Baptist church, and I remember watching him preach in the chandeliers of swing. He preached so hard. I don't, know, I don't know what in the world he preached on. I never. I just sat there and looked at the bulletin and checked off everything that happened until we can get out of there. So that's all I remember about church. But um, we came, many of us came out of denominational churches, and we, and we came into the charismatic church at the charismatic renewal. Now, Dr. Dennis Bennett, uh, an Episcopalian, began helped begin the charismatic renewal. And many of y'all remember when, the, when the, the gifts of the Spirit started showing up in denominational churches, not just assemblies of God and church of God. People began to speak in tongues. And people came out of those churches, and they didn't know where to go. They didn't know where they'd be comfortable. Now, when I got born again, I got saved in a crusade in Atlanta, Georgia, and I don't have time to go into that tonight. But I remember my mother took me to a church the next Sunday in Dorville, a former Church of Christ, charismatic church. They had a had a piano and they sang and it was, and and he he sang. He had a bar. He was a baritone. He's about six foot three or four, and he had white hair and he sang amazing grace. It was beautiful. I know I don't make a sound, but but um, but his wife would um would would play the piano and they would sing. Of course, that's the first time they've ever had music in their church. But I remembered it was quite common to see the gifts of the Spirit on Sunday morning. Someone in speaking in tongues and someone interpreting tongues and, and a prophecy coming forth. And it was always done really well done, real, real tasteful. And it just seems like in the last 10 years, charismatic churches stopped being charismatic. It's almost like we wanted to be like everybody else. And it seems like we walked away from the gifts of the Spirit. The word charismatic is the Greek word charisma, where, the word, where Charisma Magazine got its name. And it means gifts. It means, it means Jesus plus the gifts of the Spirit. And so it's a shame that we don't operate like that anymore. Now, we do in this church. And so I'm going to start... Uh, I'm probably going to get Lisa to start spending more time on Wednesday night just leading worship and give you guys an opportunity to just operate in the gifts of the Spirit and uh, just get you going. You say, well, I don't know anything about it. Well, it's time to learn. Amen? It's time to start learning. And, and so tonight we're going to go over uh, one of those gifts, another one of those gifts, and just um, and I'll tell you the benefit of it, and I'll, and I'll show you why we have them. So 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, the word gifts is italicized, which means it's not in the original Greek. So it literally reads this way. Pursue love and desire spirituals, but especially that you may prophesy. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. No one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Also, 1231. Look up there at 1231. Earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Now, God wants you to desire to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But let's start off by talking tonight, why do we need them? Why do we even need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? And, and um, I'm going to give you a little thought here that sometimes when we're praying for the gifts, what we need to pray for is not the gifts, but people. That you would be an effective minister to people. And in order to do that, you need the tools. Now, I was going to do it tonight, and I didn't do it. And, um, 
but, but many of you men have toolboxes and you women know what your husband's toolbox looks like. But in that toolbox is all kinds of stuff, everything from hammers to pliers to hacksaws and saws and wrenches and, and all that. You understand that. So which tool do you, do you need? Well, you need all of them, but, 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 but do you use a hammer when you need a saw? No, you use a saw when you need a hammer. So you get under the sink and you got PVC and Art asked for a hammer and he really needs a plumbing wrench, doesn't he? All right, you understand? So people are saying, well, well, which gifts are the best? Well, it's, it has nothing to do with which one's best. It's really which gift do you need based on the job you're doing? And so you've got to learn to think like that because when it says that he gave some, I mean, not apostles, prophets, evangelists, he gave some word of knowledge and, and gifts of the spirit and, 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 and working of miracles and gifts of healings. It really depends on what you're doing and who you're ministering to. Because every time you're ministering to someone different, the Holy Ghost is going to give you another, a different tool based on what you're doing and what you're out to accomplish. And so there's a couple of groups of people in the earth. One of them is unsaved people and the other one is saved people. And so the gifts of the Spirit are going to differ in church than they are outside of church. So, and so we'll get into that. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, let's read that. It says, and one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, I want you to think about it like this. Let's say that you're talking to somebody at work one day, and the Holy Spirit is going to reach over and say, this is what you're going to need to help them right now. You may need a word of knowledge. You may need a prophecy. They may need to be healed. So you don't know that. So you don't, you don't kind of say, well, this is which gift do I want? What you need to pray is, Heavenly Father, I'm going to, I want to minister to Tom, and I want you to help me minister to Tom. And so then the Holy Spirit, like a, like a good assistant, you're going to say, scalpel, hey, yeah, whack him up real good. So, so he's going to help you minister to the person. So very often where, when it says desire the, the gifts, do we have to ask the question, why do we even need them at all? If you're not interested in people, then it's obvious you don't need the gifts. Well, that's a heavy statement. I mean, if you're not interested in the people you work with or your family or helping anybody, then obviously you don't need a tool. I know, I know men who don't know whether to turn a nut right or left. I have a, I have a friend, and that's all I'm going to do is call him a friend. And every time he walks up to a bolt, he goes through lefty-loosey, righty-tighty. The poor, the poor guy, does, he still don't know which way to turn a wrench. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a blessing. Because when I got married, I bragged on all I knew. Lisa bought me the tools and said, okay, I want you to build me a house, repair my car, fix the refrigerator. And I'm going, I wish to God I never told you any of this stuff. <laughs> the other day, I don't know who did it, but when they built our, our, our addition to our house, and some of you have been there, the back door going to the pool was put in backwards. I don't know whether y'all ever knew that. Every time we had a hurricane, it rained in the house. Water hit the door and run down in the house. So finally, Lisa hollered at me and they'd say, I need you to turn the door around. Well, the jams were rotted, so I had to rip all the jams out, rip all the door out, rebuild all new jams because, you know, it cost. I'm, I'm, I'm not tight. I'm not. But when a door is $2,000, and a jam is 1995. I'm putting new jams in. Okay, I'm just, I, I don't do this. Uh, I know what stuff really cost. Okay. And I, when people come over our house and say, I'll do this job for you for this, I go, and why am I paying off your truck? Uh, I just hate being gouged to death. So anyway. So I had to turn the door around. I had to completely pull it out of the house, turn it around. It took me two whole days to do it. But now there's no water coming in the house. Last time it rained, it didn't rain inside, and Lisa was happy. Now the lady next door has a gate. Lisa's telling me I need to get over there and fix it for her, and I probably do. She's only like 100 years old, and the gate's like 100 pounds, you know. And so it's kind of like my Christian thing to go over there and 
fix her gate for her. I think I'll give it to Art. Let Art go fix it. But anyway, <laughs> I prophesy that Art is to fix that gate. We'll talk about prophesying later. All right. So go to Matthew 21, and let's look at why, why we even need gifts of the Spirit at all. You're going to be a little surprised at this. Because we kind of think, well, they're, they're, so they're really just cool. Well, there's a little bit more to cool than cool. Matthew 21, 18. And in the morning, he returned to the city. He was hungry, and he saw a fig tree by the road, and he came and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. Now go down with me to 43. And, and he's talking about the tree. And he's talking about the fact that he cursed it and it dried up. And now he's talking about the Jewish nation. And he's prophesying to the Jews. He says, therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it. Even though you and I are born again and our sins are paid and we're not going to hell for sinning, aren't y'all glad? We're still going to have to stand before God for the fruit. He is still looking for fruit. He wants, he loves people. And the only access he has to people is you and I. He wants you to reach people. Now, when we start talking about you witnessing, people have this concept of knocking on doors, clonk, 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 clonk. Are you going to heaven or hell? And they slam the door in your face and you go to the next door. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you becoming a Jehovah Witness. Okay. Talking about you witnessing and sharing Jesus with people. Now, what he wants is that everywhere I have ever borne the most fruit has been at work. Because I work with people. And I found out that if I'm working with them, I get to know them and they get to know me. Once I begin praying for them... I found out that the conversations will very obviously begin to turn toward the things of God. Everybody you work with who's having a problem, it's spiritual. It is. And God wants you to minister. And the only reason you don't minister is that many of you don't feel qualified to do it. Well, if you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, he gave you the Holy Ghost to help you to minister with. That's why he, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. So you're very capable of doing the job. It's just that very often you don't do it because you think, well, I don't know what to say. All right, I'm going to ask the ones of you that have witnessed. How many of you have been witnessing and all of a sudden, you started saying things even beyond your own knowledge. You had that happen. You have no idea how many times I will be talking. And all of a sudden, it's like you're riding a bike and you change gears. And you're saying stuff and you're going, well, that was good. I don't know where that came from. Well, you don't get in there if you don't at least step out and start, start doing it. And very often... That's where the Holy Ghost will start giving you things to say and how to minister to these people. Now, I'm going to stop right. Well, I don't want to stop. Let me come back in a minute. So he is looking for fruit in the earth. One of the reasons you, you want the gifts of the Spirit is because you're not capable of helping people without the gifts. Now, you can build a house with a hammer and a handsaw, but I will tell you a chop saw and a skill saw is a lot better. You can use a shovel, but aren't bulldozers better? Yeah, there's, there are there's tools that are just better. Now, you can, you can get along without them, but, but working with them, oh, it's a whole lot easier to get the job done. And that's why God has special tools for you to help you get the job done. Because you've got people you work with or family members, and you need to minister to them, and the Lord will help you by giving you what to say. You know, not everything that you say is going to help them out of your head. So you need to go with your heart and let God show you what to say to that person. Okay. Let's go to another one, uh, James 5, 7. Let's just pop a few of them up on, on the screen, and I, wanna, I want you to read them because I want you to understand that he's actually asked you and I to go preach, to go share, to go minister, and he's not asking you to go to India. He's not asking you to go to Africa. He's just asking you to go to work. 
5, 7 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. So what's he waiting on? He's waiting on the fruit of the earth. He's waiting on you and I to minister to people. I'm going to go back to my job in Tulsa when the Lord first started talking to me about this. And the, the day the Lord said to me, um, until Jan gets born again and until the people here, until, until you get them saved, don't talk to me about ministry. And I thought, well, you're being quite unfair with me. Here I am called to the ministry and you're telling me I got to get my boss born again or don't talk to you. Well, why would I want to go in ministry when I have a person with me not going to heaven? You know, in other words, I had my, I, I was all crossed up thinking that ministry was like a job, but a ministry is people. If I don't care about the one I'm with right now, why would I care if I'm standing on a platform with a thousand people? That's not because I cared about people. It's because I had a mental image of being a big dog, not caring about people. So God's going to bring you back to what's important. And you say, oh, God, use me. I just want to obey you. I just love you, Jesus. And he says, well, your boss is not saved. You're like, I know they're going to hell. They're sorry, dog. But anyway, oh, Jesus, help me. Well, that's kind of what I was doing. And I thought to myself, because Jan Henderson, and that's her name, she's Italian. Now, I don't know whether y'all have ever worked with an Italian, but all they're talking is loud. And they use their hands, and, and everything is loud. And she was a, and she was a loud-mouthed woman. And, and I just thought, how do you minister to a loud-mouthed woman? I thought in the natural, you can't. Okay. So I had, so, so after the Lord said that to me, I went off during the day and I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start praying for her. I know to pray for her. So I'd open up the Bible and I'd sit down and I'd say, Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you and praying for Jan Henderson. That, that I, and I know enough that, the, that she can't get saved unless the Father draws her. And I know she has to have a revelation of Jesus. And I'm asking you, if, not, if you don't use me, send someone across her path and help me minister to her in the name of Jesus. Well, I did this for two or three days and he didn't say anything to me. And one day I'm in the, in, and I went off at lunch every day and went into a vacant, empty apartment ate my lunch. I had two sandwiches and a glass of tea, and I would read my Bible and pray in the Holy Ghost. It was the only quiet time I ever had because I'm going to school and going to Rama, and then I'm working and coming home, and I got kids, you know, and, they, and the kids don't want to see. Daddy, daddy's in there studying all the time, you know, and he don't love us, but he loves Jesus. Okay, so I knew I had to come home and play, play Barbie and Ken doll. I was always Ken. Y'all have no idea what it's like having girls. Ken, Ken, let's go to the beach. Okay, Barbie. Okay, Barbie, let's go, you know. So, um, <laughs> that was a great Ken. So anyway, I'm in there praying one day, and the Lord said to me, word of knowledge, ask me to get her to church. Now, I can't tell you that for everybody, but that was a word for me for Jan. In other words, it wasn't going to be me leading her to the Lord because of her personality, and she's the boss, and she thinks, who, what do I, well, she don't care what I say. So I, I, went, I said to the Lord, Heavenly Father, get Jan to church in Jesus' name. And I got up and went in there to my office, and the minute I walked in, Jan looked at me and goes, where do you go to church? I went, that's the fastest prayer I've ever had. If you got money to me that fast, you and I'd be doing really good. All right. So I looked at her and I said, I go to Grace Outreach with Bob Yandian. And so the next Sunday she showed up and she didn't get saved. I was so disappointed. And so I started going back into the, the back room of the prayer room while service was going on and praying for her salvation the whole time Bob Yandian's preaching. Three weeks later, Jan Henderson walks and gets saved. And I said, yes, I can leave Tulsa. You know, and I went to God and I said, Heavenly Father, I did what you said. Jan Henderson is now born again. And he said, her husband, Scott's not. I said, that's not fair. So I got tired of waiting on Bobby Andy and everybody. And I just got my Bible and walked up to Scott and I said, are you going to heaven or hell? <laughs> you, you want to get saved too? You would like your wife? And he says, you know, I've been thinking about it. And I opened up John three sixteen, read it and showed him how to get born again and led him to the Lord. They invited me over to their house that night for dinner. And they had a man named Ron, who's a car salesman at the Osmobile dealership. Y'all remember Osmobile back in the day. 
And, uh, we, and so I led him the Lord, and then he taught us how to buy a brand new cutlass off the showroom floor for only 500 over cost. So he, he taught us how to buy a car, so I got a deal out of that. So after that, I got everybody at work born again or a witness to them, the Lord sent me. And so I started learning that I needed the Holy Ghost to help me minister to people. Everybody is different. People are different. There are some things that they'll talk to you about, and there are some things that you'll talk to them, and you're talking to a wall. Well, you've got to go to God and go, you've got to help me with what to say or what to do, and I'm trusting you. And that's why you need the gifts of the Spirit. And so often the Lord will show you something or give you a scripture for them, or he'll say, I want you to ask me to send someone across their path because they're not going to listen to you. But the Holy Ghost is given to you and I to help us minister. He's looking for fruit, and when he, when he returns, he's going to ask you what you did with what he gave you. Did you know that? Yeah, I didn't think you all like that very much. Nobody jumped and hollered or nothing. Proverbs 11.30, look over here at this. And it's easy. I, I want you to get that. It's, it's not laborious. It's not difficult. Don't try to make up something and turn it into something burdensome. When you start praying for someone... The Lord will open up the door for you. If he doesn't open up the door, don't worry about it. Don't sit around and try to make, don't try, don't try to push a rope or wash a cat. It doesn't do any good. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Look at 2411. Go over to chapter to 24 and let's read 11. Deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely I didn't know it, does he who not weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render each man according to his deeds? God knows what you know and he knows what, you, what you're capable of. Wherever you go, you're there for the Lord. We need to get over this idea that we're here to make a living. You're here to bear fruit. Making a living must become second. Now, did God say, my God will meet all of my needs? Did he tell you he'd meet your needs? Then, then your job does not have to be your highest priority. Realize that wherever you are, he has you there for the sake of ministering and helping somebody along. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question. How many of you have had times in the past where someone, God put someone in your life who helped you get where you are today? All of us in this room. There were people that God sent and had them praying for you. My mother prayed me into the kingdom of God. And God put me with people who would pray for me as I began to grow in God. And they began to help me and minister to me. Or I don't think I would have made it. So people helped get me here. So then I've turned around and said, well, I'm going to do the same. When you get mature, you help other people. The thing about church is that one man can't do everything. Even though you guys think that's what y'all hired me for. We'll talk about that another day. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 and let me show you this before we change directions here. 517, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, new, new species of being. Old things are passed away, everything's become new. All of this is of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So even though you're not an evangelist, you still have a ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he has committed to, I say each one of us, the word of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you be reconciled to God. Now, he doesn't want you to be a hellfire damnation preacher. Jesus already died for everybody. But you'd be surprised at how many people 
have no idea that, that people do not go to hell for sinning. You know that. If Jesus died for everybody, how could God send them to hell for sinning? But they don't know it. Now you think about the only thing separating the people you work with from heaven or hell is simply knowledge. And you have it. So you just need to have the time to sit down and say, can I pray for you? And they'll say, well, you know, I'm, I, my grandfather was a preacher and, and I'm trying to be a better person. Well, th- those are doors for you to say, do you mind if I just read something to you? Open up. Go, y'all, y'all go with me. Go to John 3.16. I'll show you something. I'll show you the easiest thing in the world to do. Easiest thing in the world. I mean, it's so easy I could do it. For God so loved the world, and y'all know this, this is the scripture the Baptist put in the Bible. Right, Tony? I love Tony. Tony's a Baptocostal now. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I always get people to read it. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation. Light came in the world. Men love darkness rather than light. And I look at people and say, if Jesus died for everybody, how can God send someone to hell for sinning? And even a sinner look at me and go, well, he can't. And I say, do you know the only thing separating you from heaven or hell? Is what did you do with Jesus Christ? And I just push them. I say, do you believe he died on the cross for you? And they usually always say, yes, I do. Do you believe he rose from the dead? And then I turned to Romans and said, he said, if you believe he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. I said, you ready to pray? I don't say, do you want to pray? I just say, you ready to pray? The Bible says, compel them. I just say, get your hand, let's pray. Father God, I do believe. Just pray with them. Just get them born again. Um, don't worry about, God will clean his own fish. Now, here's the thing. Don't ever become pushy. If they say no, say, that's fine. That's fine. Let me pray. Do you mind if I just pray for you? Father God, I ask you to help them with their life. Show yourself strong in their behalf in Jesus' name. I mean, everybody don't mind being prayed for. But see, that's what you're out there for. Then you start praying, Lord, is there something I can do? Is there something you want me to say? Rely on the greater one in you to help you with this person. Not everything. Sometimes he'll just give you something to pray over them. And that's all he'll give you. Just pray this over them. And very often, someone else will come along. You just, you just be, you know, don't, don't turn it into something difficult. Now, I told you all before, I worked on Weber and Tucker, and I worked on an all-black crew. Now, what I mean by that is that God had me working on a crew with all-black people. Now, one of the things that I had not ever had experience with, if you grow up in a white neighborhood, in a white church, it isn't like I was prejudiced. I just never had any black friends because there just weren't any in my neighborhood when I grew up. And so God made sure that I was going to be culturally ready before I started pastoring. So he put me on an all-black crew. Now, the problem with it is every one of them were a bunch of heathens. And they thought that maybe this white guy should pay for every black person ever put on a ship. Well, they didn't really. But they did gang up on me and make life difficult. They threw mud. I'd say, I need mud. They throw it on my boots. And then they told white jokes all day. Now, you talk about racism. It's not good if you're white. But if you're black, you're wide open to hear all the white jokes that they can tell you. Anyway, I didn't get bothered by it. But I'm on a mission field. I'm working with heathen, right? So I'm praying for them every day. I'm starting to pray for them. I figured, well, I might as well. Well, there's one thing that stops racism, and that's friendship. You see, when that black man became Omar, there's no racism when, when you put a name to a man. And then Twig and Wilbur and Charlie 
And now all of a sudden these are men and now you're learning about them and their wives and their children and their things. And you eat together every day and you work together every day. Now all of a sudden they get to work with a white uh, clansman. That's what they called me. They kept asking me, do I have a white suit? They have all kinds. It was just crazy wild. But all of it was done, done a lot of fun, but kind of about one-third serious. You know, like we think you're in the clan, man, you know. So, um, so anyway, after, after about two years of working with these guys, Omar Walker, which he wasn't a Black Panther, but he ran around with them. And uh, I'm eating lunch one day, and he walks up, and concrete blocks are, are your chairs. I don't know if y'all know. Everybody pulls concrete blocks. And he comes up, and he sits down beside me, and he says, what you got? And I said, what do you mean what I got? He said, Morgan, what you got? I said, Omar, I don't know what you mean what I got. I think he's about to go racial on me again. He said, no, this time I'm being serious. He said, listen to me, Morgan. We give you hell. I said, yes, you do. He said, but you don't rattle and you don't change and you have something and I want it. And I knew right then that God had been touching Omar's heart. And I said, Omar, it's Jesus. He said, I know Jesus. I said, no. I said, come to dinner tonight. He goes, in a popka? Now I know what's going to happen. You know, and he, he's go goofing up. But he looked at me and said, no. I want to know. So he came to dinner that night, and we, and we sat down, opened up the Bible, spent a few hours with Omar. And he, was, he had been saved earlier in a Baptist church when he was a boy. But we got him through the bitterness and all that. Got him filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And him and I became very, very good friends. We did mission trips together. He even pastored a church in Claremont, and he died at what, Lisa, 50 years of age? Yeah, at about 50 years of age, he had a stroke and a heart attack. And just, but a lot of fun to be with. Just a great guy. But I remember the day because, and I'm saying, I'm telling you this because he wasn't going to get right with God at church. He didn't go to church. God had to send church to him. And he needed to send a Christian to him that lived Christianity. But God answers prayer, but he has to answer the prayers of some. I have to be with them and I've got to be praying for them. Now, even though I didn't have a word of knowledge that day or anything, something about my life with them changed him, and he got right with God. And after that, everything calmed down, and those guys, we started sitting around talking about Jesus and doing Bible studies together at work. And it became, it became so, so everywhere I've ever been in my life since I've been born again, I've always turned the work environment to God. Now, I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was really church, church. I mean, the, the thing about construction, and I say this to y'all with grace, they cuss a lot. Y yeah. So the questions would be like, oh, what the F about John? You know, so it's, you, you've got to learn to quit being so religious that you can't help anybody. Are y'all out there? That's why when I started pastoring, I've been preaching for years, but I hadn't been preaching like what y'all are used to. <laughs> I got to tell you a story. The word of knowledge, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, how the Holy Ghost to help you. And this is earlier on when I first started working there. This is when Jimmy Swaggart had fallen. And so every day at work, my new nickname was Swaggart. I want something. They go, what you want, Swaggart? Because I'm, I'm always talking about Jesus, and so I'm, I'm Swaggart. And so um, every day, finally one day, I said, God, I, they've got to shut the Swaggart stuff up, and I do not know what to say to them. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said something to me. And so you have to understand, we're on like the second or third, fourth story of a hotel. And we're way up in the sky, and there's nobody up here but us. We're all laying block. Nobody can hear what we're doing and watch, see what we're doing. Boss can't even see us. And so I said, hey, everybody, come here. And I'm on a scaffold about six feet up. And I said, let me ask you all a question. Does what Swaggart do wrong? Well, I'm not going to tell you all what he said. 
It was kind of like, heck yeah. And down the list they go, swagger it is of this and swagger it's of that and swagger it's of this. And I said, well, the Lord told me to tell y'all that judgment has begun in the house of God. And then he told me to tell you y'all are next. <laughs> and they, it got quiet. It just, they went back to work and I never heard about swagger again. See, I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are not so you and I can be cool. They're so we can be effective. He wants to help us with the job of helping people everywhere we go. And I'm going to say something to y'all, and you're not going to believe this. I'm really not that smart. Well, maybe some of y'all do believe it. Mike, <laughs> I don't like Mike's look right there. If God would use me, he'd use anybody. I, I'm really, when I, I told y'all before that I really didn't want to pastor a church, and I, did, I don't mean to make it sound like uh, I didn't love y'all. I just didn't think that I'd be able to do the job because I'm really, I know I don't look like a pastor. I know I don't act like one. I know. I ride motorcycles and shoot guns and, and, and you understand? And I didn't see myself anytime soon changing any of that. So, so understanding that, I, I always felt like I didn't qualify. But he doesn't, he's not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for people. He qualifies you. He gives you the tool to get the job done. He gives you the ability. And if you have no ability, it doesn't matter. He'll still give it to you. So my ability, and I, and I said this to y'all before, and I know nobody believes anything I'm about to say. By natural nature, I am extremely introvert. That's my nature without Jesus. I'm introvert. When I went to Ramah, I didn't talk to but two people for two years. I just didn't, I just don't talk to people. I didn't, I never talked to people. I, I was scared out of my mind to stand in front of people and talk. I would lock up. The teacher asked me one time in school to spell if, and I stood there and I got so scared. I said, F-I, the class started laughing and I sat down and I didn't say a word to anybody for months because I, 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 I am not a public speaker, but God, he, when he gives you, he says, do something, then he gives you an ability beyond your ability. So after I started obeying God, I started getting up and having all kinds of stuff to say. As a matter of fact, you can't shut me up now. It's just terrible. <laughs> People ask me how to get to Publix, and I say, well, you go out here on the road right down here, and you turn right down here, and you go down there, hallelujah, praise the name of you, glory to God, and, you, and, and they go, I don't want a sermon. <laughs> so, so he qualified me, even though I'm not, I don't have the natural ability to, to do this. I have no natural ability to do this at all. Okay, all right, let's look at another one. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I need to show you this now. Because a lot of times when people are talking about the gifts of the Spirit, they're relying only on the gifts of the Spirit. And I want you to not do that. Um, I, I want to get in. I want to have time to get back in to uh, prophecy in a minute. Because so often, I don't know why people do this. I, I don't know. They do it, but I don't know why they do it. They, 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 they have a word for someone and they think that every Sunday they've got to go find somebody in the building and give them a word. And most of it is hokey. You're supposed to marry her and she's supposed to marry him. And it, it, this, this almost sounds like you're going to a, the, a, a psychic or something. What's God's primary way of you ministering? The word of God, not the gifts. The gifts are to help you with the word. They're not the primary. Okay, primary is get a job, 
And if something happens, people will help you out. But the tin can is not the way to make a living. All right, so let me show you something. First Corinthians, I mean, First Peter, or is it Second Peter? Second Peter, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now Peter's recounting the time they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and God spoke audibly. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. That's the written word which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day shines and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing that no prophecy of scriptures of private interpretation. It says in the King James you have a more sure word of prophecy. He's calling the written word more sure than prophetic. Everything, the, the, the prophesying is not to take the place of your Bible. Amen. Not to take the place of, of you sharing the word with somebody. You need to get to where you know what you're talking about and you can help people. And then say, Holy Ghost, help me. And then very often he will bring up a scripture that you may not have thought about for a month or two. And all that, but, but if you've been studying, he'll bring these to your remembrance. He's going to help you, but you need to understand primary. You're not primarily looking for the gifts of the Spirit to get the job done. You're looking for the words you know to get the job done and the Holy Spirit to help you with that. So as long as you understand that, that makes it easy, okay? So we have the Word of God, and you should always refer back to the Word of God when you're talking to somebody. Now, 2 Timothy 4.2. Let's look at a couple more scriptures here. Then we'll get back over into, into prophecy. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering teaching. Now, he's talking about using the word of God. You should always rely on the word of God. Now, the Holy Ghost, like with Jan, even though I'm praying for Jan, the Holy Ghost just said, you just pray, let Bobby Andy and use the word. So she got saved listening to a preacher. Something about some people, they have it in their mind the way they think it's going to happen. And God knows the way they think. Okay? Maybe your way of saying it's not the right way. And God knows that. Okay. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's talk about the gifts of, the, of, of um, prophecy. Let's talk about prophesying. We've been talking about the lost, and now we're going to talk about Christians. 14.1, pursue love, desire spirituals, especially that you may prophesy. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he is speaking mysteries. You know when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking mysteries. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to who? Men, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, and he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, and even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless you interpret. So in the toolbox, which tool is God going to use in church more often? Prophecy in tongues interpretation. That's why you see it more often in a church setting than anything else. Don't worry that you're trying to make something else happen. But in a church setting, you're going to have the Holy Ghost manifest more often in edification of one another. In other words, somebody sitting there next to you will have an interpreter, have tongue interpretation of prophecy, and you and you'll sit there and go, "That is exactly." what I was praying about today. It's not that they're getting beyond the Bible. They're on the Bible. But that's a word for you. That's something God is going. He told you and you're like, ah, is that the Lord? And all of a sudden someone in church says it and you go, that was God. That's what he's saying to me. Now I'm going to tell you all the story. When I got born again, I told you, I made $83.30 a week. 
Then I went to church and the Lord finally convinced me to tithe $8.30. Now, on the way to church that morning, I said, God, do I tithe the net or the gross? Do y'all never did that, did you? Because when you only make $83 and now you're fixing to give 10% of it to an overweight preacher who eats ice cream. Now, y'all understand, back when I'm, I'm talking about the day, y'all remember the Coke machines that, were, that the Cokes were in there and you could walk up and open the door and pop the cap off? That's how you get a drink when you don't have a dime. Okay, I'm not supposed to teach y'all how to steal. But anyway, you put a cup under it, pop the top off, and you get the Coke out of that thing. That's why they quit making those machines. I couldn't afford a Coke. But I'm fixing to give a preacher eight bucks. Now, to me, that's a lot of money. Unless maybe I'm going to give him after, was it before? I forgot, gross or net. But anyway, I was trying to figure out how to get out of the whole eight bucks. I come to church that morning, worship service is going on. I'm sitting about where, where Crystal is. And the woman in front of me, right about where Tony was, stands up and starts prophesying. And she said these words, give and it'll be given unto you to the degree you give. You decide what you give. Based on your giving, I'll return it to you. In other words, I'm not condemning you for net. I'm not condemning you for the gross. It's up to you. How big of a blessing do you want? And I sat down and I went, thank you, Jesus. And I tithed on the net. Because <laughs> it scared me. But I knew then from that word that God answered a prayer. But it also said something else to me. He cared enough about me to answer my prayer I prayed on the way to church and that you don't have no idea what that will do to a baby Christian sitting in church having a problem and someone starts prophesying and giving you the answer that's why this is so valuable this is not giving you directions by the way you behind me marry the one to the left you no 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 that's you're not giving people direction and telling them how to run their life. And you say, well, it's just the word of God. All she did was prophesy Luke 11. No, Luke 6.38. But, but it doesn't matter. But that, that scripture was someone in the building needed that scripture that morning and didn't know it was in the Bible, which was me. Do you all understand this now? All right, let's move on because this is awesome. Um... um Verse 6, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit unless I speak to you by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or teaching? Even things without life, flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what's piped or played? If a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who's going to prepare for battle? So likewise, unless you utter by tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you're going to be speaking in the air. He's not telling you not to speak in tongues in church. He's just saying the only one getting the benefit out of it's you. Now let's talk about this for just a minute. Because for whatever reason, even in charismatic churches, people don't sing in the Holy Ghost. Either we put the words on the screen or you don't know how to sing. Have y'all ever heard of just make it up? You make up any tune you want to, just sing in the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. It's amazing because I've started off singing in the spirit and it, sometimes it'll take me like 15 minutes for some reason to get over in the spirit. Then I start singing the interpretation. It's just beautiful. It's just, it rhymes and it's, it's a song about redemption. And sometimes it's for me, you know, just, just something that I've been dealing with and God will start ministering to my heart and I'm singing it out. And, and, and when we, when, if, if we start doing this on Sunday morning to where the band starts singing in the Holy Ghost, don't stand there and just look like, I don't want to look stupid because you do look stupid. When everyone's singing in tongues and you're not, you look stupid. Okay. I know that y'all didn't like that. If he gave you a gift 
Why not use it? Now, I'm going to give you all an illustration, and I pray you don't ever forget it the longest day you live. If, if someone gave you a car, why are you walking? Oh, it's holy. I know it's holy. Drive it. Have you ever thought about that? Wake up on Sunday morning, crank up the car, rev the engine, get out of it, and walk to Winn-Dixie. That's not intelligent. God gave you power to make your life easier. Praying in the Holy Ghost makes your life easier. You say, well, I didn't know that. Well, it's because you don't pray in the Holy Ghost much. The gifts of the Spirit are to make your life easier. He gave you the ability, if you have a backhoe, why are you using the shovel? Oh, I'm out here working in the yard. Y'all, do y'all ever remember the lawnmowers that you pushed and they turned? My grandfather had one. Now, they don't work good with pecans. You work under a pecan tree and they go, and you get out and you pull the blades back and you knock the pecan out and you, bam, another pecan. I was so happy when I got a gasoline lawnmower. Boom, I'm going, ah, pecan's going, wham, out the side, man, slinging like bullets. But you know, why not use the gas one and, instead of using the old push? Now, the push kept your legs strong, but I didn't care anything about having my legs strong. I liked cutting the grass. And today, I have a zero-turn lawnmower. And that's better than the push mower. Josh uses the push mower. I use the zero-turn. No, no, he actually uses Loma. Can you all understand that? So why in the world would you not want to, 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 to pray in the Holy Ghost? Why would you not? It's quiet in this Baptist church. Why would you not? I don't know. I want you to raise hands and tell me, I don't know about that. Well, listen, why not practice here? I'll tell you a great place to practice is in the shower. I am, I have an awesome voice in the shower. I sing so good in the shower. I don't know why that is, but Lisa won't let me sing anywhere but the shower. I'm just telling you all right now. All right, let's go on. Let's go down to verse 12. Even so, since you are zealous for spirituals, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who, who speaks in a tongue pray that you might interpret it. If you speak in tongues, ask God to give you the interpretation of what you're praying about. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion? Well, I'm going to pray in the spirit, and then I'm going to pray in the understanding. I'm going to sing in the spirit, and then I am going to sing in the understanding. Likewise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the pace of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? Indeed, you give thanks well, but the other's not edified. I thank God. Now listen to Paul. I speak in tongues more than all y'all. So he wasn't th saying that tongues wasn't important because he said, guys, if y'all want to talk about tongues, I speak in tongues more than everybody combined. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words in my understanding that I can teach others in 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however malice be babies, but, but, but be mature. Um, it says in the law, with other tongues and other lips, I'll speak to this people. And yet for all of that, they will not hear me. Now, he's talking about tongues and interpreting and prophecy in a church service. So that means in the early church, this went on all the time. This was common. It was common in Pentecostal circles at one time. And I'm going to tell you all what happened. They wanted to be accepted like the other denominations. And they got tired of being called holy rollers, so they stopped it. And they died. God didn't give you the gifts of the Spirit for no reason. Now, people are going to talk about you. But let me say something to you. Do you want the power? Yes. Listen, if I'm driving a car and you're criticizing me, that's fine. I'm going to keep driving the car. Mm -hmm. You can walk all you want to. 
They'll call you a holy roller. They'll call you all kind of names. But you'll be blessed. Do you all see this? So when it says desire, you and I need to start desiring to have a church full of the Holy Ghost, full of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, now here's a question. What if you mess up? Who cares? You messed up before, right? Doesn't the Bible say that he's the God of all comfort? So let's say that what's coming out of you is not God, but it edifies. Wouldn't that be God? Sometimes you just got to begin. Once you start, God sees the fact that you're really working on it. There is a girl in Ramah. Her name's Sandy Brown. She was a playboy bunny. She wanted to speak in tongues, and she said, I don't know, but it sounds like Fred Flintstone. So she opened her mouth and said, yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo. That's what she did. She said, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And she said, yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo. Now, see, y'all are too religious because you think, that's not tongues. That's not the thing. That's not the thing. But God saw her heart, and she started speaking in tongues. In other words, he knew that yabba-dabba-doo was Fred. God knows that. But because she went, she just began speaking in tongues because the Holy Ghost went, now she's really trying. So I think I'll help her. And he just kind of jump-started her, and off she took off speaking, praying in tongues. And now when she wants to get someone filled with the Holy Ghost, she just says, well, just say yabba-dabba-doo. Now, people have criticized you for that, but if it works, what are you going to do? do? Amen? So, so, I don't know how to say this to y'all. How many of y'all are interested in seeing a whole lot more of this in the church? Amen. Like everybody in the building. Okay. Let's learn a new word. Yield. I I can't, you can't drive a car with the brakes on. I I saw a little girl, Lisa and I went swimming in Wakaiva. And she's swimming with her head up. She's dog paddling across. And I'm thinking, put your head down, sweetheart, and swim. But she's afraid. So she's just dog paddling. And you know, it took her like 10 minutes to get like 20 feet. And she finally made it to the edge. And I felt so sorry for her. She looked like a dog. You know, she's just doing this. But she's so afraid to put her head down and to, and to, let, to trust the water to hold you up. Am I right? How do you say this? Just yield. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. Just during the worship service, just worship God and say, hey, I'd I'd like to pray and I'd like to have prophecy. I'd like to have a word. And if you get something from God, give it out. And I want you all to do something. If someone in here does something and you go, I don't think that was God. Well, just be nice. <laughs> just leave people alone. We had a lady in this church, and um, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I wish I could think of her name. Um, we cast a homosexual devil out of her on a Sunday morning, and um, she started screaming during the church service, and a demon manifested in her. And I walked back there and laid hands on her, cast it out right in the service. And it was the first time I think this church ever saw a demon come out of anybody. And, um, and so she's laying on the floor. And I reached over and said, now, y'all just lay hands on her. And, and she prayed the sinner's prayer and got filled with the Holy Ghost. She started prophesying. She had the most beautiful, accurate, prophetic ministry. I, because I know her. She didn't know the Bible. But the words that were coming out of her mouth was past her intellect by years. And I loved when she stood up and gave out a prophecy or tongue interpretation because it was always so clean and accurate. It wasn't funny. And someone intimidated her one day and she stopped. 
someone said something to her and embarrassed her and she quit. She just stopped. Betty, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Peggy, was it Peggy? Yeah. Peggy. And, and, and so I said, that I talked to the lady that embarrassed her and I said, why did you just do that? What, be careful what you say to people. If, if someone's not doing something perfect, just let God clean his own fish. Leave people alone. If you're ever going to do anything for God, you're going to mess up. And you, if you're in church, you're, you have to be among people who love you even though you don't do it right. I think that's why he asked me to pastor because he went, hey, I'll just use you as an example, you know. So... When you, start, when you start operating the gifts, um, now I'm going to ask you to do one thing. If I say Wednesday nights we're going to start operating the gifts of spirit, don't grab a Bible and come up here with sermon notes. I'll just grab you and set you back down, okay? I didn't ask you to come preach. You, you all know the difference? Okay, because some people don't. They, don't. they really don't know the difference. And there's going to be people who do things. And if I call them down, don't make a scene. You know, if they start saying, well, Jesus is not really the Lord, you know, and hold on your. We've had people come in and prophesy stuff in the service, and we had to have ushers haul them out, you know. You know this guy's a false prophet, and y'all are all going to hell and everything. Just let the ushers carry him out and throw him in the dumpster. So <laughs> I threatened to call the police on one guy one day. Um, but anyway, if you're going to have the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to attract goofy people. That's why churches stopped it. Because there will be goofy stuff happening. You can't be afraid of excess because there's going to be excess. Are you all out there? Did you go home? You have to just go, well, that wasn't right. And then after a while, I may talk to people privately and go, oh, let's don't do that. I don't think that was God. And if they're humble, they'll go, oh, okay, I didn't know. And if they're not, then they'll leave. But if you're, going to, if you're going to have a church moving in the Holy Ghost, you know, remember the thing up in uh, Toronto with people barking like dogs? That doesn't mean it wasn't a real move. When you have a real move, you'll have, you're going to have crazy people show up. One more time. I'm not talking about your husband and wife. If the church is the only place, and I think Profeto said this the other day, where we welcome everybody with a problem in here. That's what church is. So when you start having a Holy Ghost church, you can bet there's going to be some stuff happening. Well, don't judge us by that. Just say, well, let pastor handle that. And then you go back to doing it right. Well, y'all are so excited. I just. So y'all ready? I want y'all to start praying with me over this church. I want to see, you know, and, and we'll watch how things happen on a Sunday morning. Don't walk up and say, I'd have a word and take the pulpit. Just, you just give it out. And, and, and for a while, I may let people do certain things. If I see excess, if I see people going insane, and just, if you start trying to take the the church over, and people do it, then I'll sit you down. Do you all understand that? People are looking for a crowd, and they'll take yours. And so if people come in and start that, and you see me asking someone to sit down and be quiet, don't go home and get all mad at me. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. Okay. In other words, anytime you open the floodgate a little bit, they want the whole dam to come down. So, so, so I want you to start learning to do things decently and in order. Obey God. Just be, be used by God. Give out the things God's given you. And let's just grow up and be mature about it. And let's go back to the place that God intended the church to be. I, there's a book out called Like a Mighty Wind. If y'all have never read that book, you really should. Mel Tari. And it was a revival that broke out in Indonesia. It's amazing what God will do in a church when, when you allow the people to start speaking out what God is saying. You'll start to stepping into stuff that's going to happen next year. You'll start, you'll start, the Holy Ghost will start showing you things that are coming.
and, show, and showing you how to divert something that was going to happen, it's, it's, a, it's really cool if you'll use it right. Okay, are y'all getting this? In other words, if we give you a car and you start burning the wheels, we're going to take the keys away. All right. Y'all ready? Because I want to pray over us. Father God, you gave us in, uh, in the word of God the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Tonight, I, I have opened up the word to show that it's really tools, just tools to be used to minister. It may be at work. It may be with a lost person. It may be here in church. I'm asking you for the people who have a heart for it in this church to start operating the gifts of the Spirit, whether tongues and interpretation, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And Father, this is not fortune telling. This is not guiding people because you give us the Holy Ghost to, for we to listen to. But this is an opportunity for us to hear from you and to speak out the things that you're saying to us by the Holy Ghost. I didn't give you a gift to take it away. I gave you these gifts for you to use them. And I told you that you did to, to desire them. You need to be the one that prays and seeks my face about this. And I'll begin to lead you and guide you by my spirit. What you saw is hard, you'll find it's quite easy. Not only will you be a blessing to your church, but you'll be a blessing to your own soul. For there will be times that you'll even begin to prophesy while you're alone. And you'll begin to say out of your own mouth the very thing that you were praying about. Because you've offered, offered me your tongue and allowed me to use it even in a known language. And you'll be blessed and everyone around you will be blessed. So be blessed. It is my desire to offer this to you and for to you to be used even in a greater measure than you've ever been used before. And yes, and yes. You'll be able to help those around you. And you'll find a greater strength and a greater wisdom and a greater knowledge than you've ever walked into before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Papa God. Thank you, Father God. Now, does that edify? Does that edify you? Now, now, now what I'm saying is that that didn't come out of my, my soul. That wasn't notes. That's just God tagging and going, I have something I'd like to say to y'all right now. Was that a blessing? Did you like oh, that, that, that? Thank God for the, the pastor's office. Thank God for, the, for my office. But you're Christians. There's a lot more of God in this room than just me and Lisa. I want y'all to see that. I want you to see the value of you how God wants to start using you and like that lady she helped me when she gave out that tongue and interpretation that day and she got me into tithing and a year later I got out of debt because of a word in a church service that wasn't going to come from the pulpit that day wasn't a sermon but God tagged me and helped me it's so powerful amen well I love every one of y'all did y'all enjoy this Praise God. Amen. Well, I'll see you back here Sunday morning. Grab somebody and tell them how much you love them. And um, enjoy the rest of your evening.